Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my blog, where I highlight my creative journey and the things that are going on in my life, and extract the various lessons that I've learned, um, the, the various things that I'm applying to get past certain obstacles, and just overall kind of update you, right? So that's the goal, and today I'm going to kind of break it up into the creative aspects, the things that I'm working on, and then as larger life. Uh, so that way, you know, if you want to just listen to the creative side, well, then you can skip the life side. Although I hope you don't. There's a lot of things, you know, we can't extract ourselves from life just because we're creatives. Like they, they are in flow of each other. And in fact, the more you understand life, then you can be a better creative essentially. Right. And I truly believe that. I mean, it's the core philosophy of what I have in terms of it doesn't take just uh, skills and talent to succeed. You also need the right mental fortitude. So that's that's always been my premise. Now, the first thing as far as being creative might not seem like a creative thing, but but it's a good exercise, and that's getting out of your comfort zone. So for me, one of the things uh, last week, I... I was asked by a company to come in and train them on something that I know. And it's a very new thing. And it's a very time-saving, very valuable thing, which is to remove filler words and stutters from, from podcasts. So I was asked to, you know, would I be willing to teach this? Now, once, once I teach it, the cat's kind of out of the bag. So, you know, there has to be a real value to it. Otherwise, you know, like, you know, if I was getting paid X amount per thing that I did, then, you know, I could earn a good chunk of change. Whereas if I just teach it once, whatever that fee is, essentially, again, cat's out of the bag. And so that that is essentially when I'm paid and then, you know, I can still feasibly make more, but, uh, you know, not as much as if I held that information. Now, you know me and based on the things that I've said and the things that I do, I'm one to share ideas. Yes, Absolutely. A lot of the ideas that I share, I've read freely in books. I've, you know, heard from other people. It's, you know, I call it YouTube University, right? And so I share those freely and and also a lot of things that I've gained along the way. But there are certain instances where something is valuable and you got to know your worth. And part of that for me was also getting outside my comfort zone. Tim Ferriss has this quote that the quality of your life is equal to the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. And so for me, it was one of those situations where, you know, I knew this was valuable and, but, but I wanted to, in essence, not overstep and ask for too much because, you know, it's one of those things that, I don't know, maybe you like me have been conditioned of like, don't ask for too much, otherwise you won't get it and they'll move on to somebody else. And it's like, well, in this scenario, there really isn't anybody else, number one. And number two, why should I be afraid? Like it's, I know the value of this. And so, you know, what I did was I did, I didn't research on kind of, you know, consultation fees, especially when you're teaching uh, things in my field. And I looked up how you should kind of value your time and so forth. And then I also kind of went off of my gut. It's like, okay, this is the number that, uh, that, that based on kind of research is what it should be. Here's kind of what my gut feels would be comfortable. 
in terms of like, if I got this, great, that's a wonderful payday. And so I took those numbers and then I was like, okay, let me, let me just nudge it up a little bit, right? Not by a lot, but let me, let me go to a number that feels like, ooh, that's, that's, uh, that's asking a little bit much, but you know, it's like, it's, it's a little scary, right? Still within, again, the research is certainly warranted. So, so in that sense, I have that mental safety net, if you will, but nonetheless, uh, the, the, the bigger part of me is always like, ooh, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of money. Um, but I did that, right? And, you know, it's, it's a couple of things. Number one, it's, it's knowing and valuing myself, my knowledge, my time, but it also elevates everybody else because, you know, we, one of the things that happens, especially in, in our industry, right? The, the greater entertainment industry is when everyone starts to lowball the numbers, then everyone expects you to do things for free. And then none of us are making a living. Instead, if we all just have this collective, like, no, this is the number, this is, this is a fair rate, then we can start to increase the number. So if I wasn't doing it for me, then I'm doing it for everyone else, because now this is the expectation of like, yeah, this is your worth. And, you know, that, that was part of the exercise for me is, Yes, knowing my worth, but also knowing the value of this skill set for, for our entire industry. And so I shouldn't lowball it. So, you know, there was an individual responsibility as well as a, a larger responsibility. And both can be true. And both were true. So I, I did that. And, uh, and they actually came back and said, yeah, that's, that's totally fair. So... You know, that, that's, that's wonderful. And, you know, not part of it, I also gave added value to it. You know, I said like, hey, this is what I'm going to be bringing. So I helped kind of justify it. And, you know, at the same time, I said like, obviously, this is a new thing. So as part of this deal, I'm going to offer up service hours where you can call me and uh, I can walk you through certain things. You know, not if there's an emergency, I can still help, but there's going to be emergency and fee incurred with that. Um, but as far as like the, the price that I'm setting, you know, as long as it's not emergencies, then, and then it's included in that for X amount of time. So that's the way I kind of view it and it worked. Uh, so we're going to be moving forward with that and, and it's wonderful, you know, and then the kind of tangential to this, but I, I want to touch upon it because I think it's worthy advice. Ryan Holiday talks about this, like a lot of, uh, when you go out for coaching or more, more specifically, I guess, consultation, a lot of people kind of pitch their ideas to win the consultation and, and coaching. And Ryan Holiday isn't a big fan of this, and neither are a lot of people. And in fact, I, you know, now I've kind of gone onto the camp and I agree with it, where instead of me pitching you what I'm worth, if, if, if you think I bring value and I could bring value, then just pay me my fee and I'll give you everything that I got and you know, then you could take it and run with it. Or, you know, if you want to hire me after that, then great, I'll apply that fee towards the coaching aspect of it, right? And so, you know, I, I, I like that a lot better. You know, one would think, well, do I lose potential clients that way? Because you always got to be like pitching yourself. And it's like, no, again, it's like you either know your worth or not. And so a lot of, I mean, a lot of pitches that you could do in terms of this 
would take you hours to kind of put together. So it's not just like a 30 minute or an hour pitch that you ultimately present to get the job. It's all the work that you do behind the scenes for that pitch. And again, at the end of the day, they could take that idea and run with it. And, you know, as I said, I'm not someone to hoard ideas necessarily, but there is a line where you have to know your value. And so it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do all this work necessarily for free than for you to just take it and maybe apply those ideas and hire somebody for a lesser fee or something like that. So no, I'm not interested. And, and at the end of the day, you know, part of it is because I don't have the job yet. Yeah. I, I might be withholding certain information. I might say like, you know, if you hire me, then, then I'll kind of let you in on the secret sauce of it as opposed to like, no, I'll, I'll let you know the secret sauce. Um, because now you've paid me, you know, and in that sense. So, so I think it's a much fairer exchange and a better ultimately exchange for all parties involved. So I thought I'd share that. Uh, creatively last week, I continued writing my script in search of sunrise. So, so that was great. Uh, I got to about 36 pages and if you don't know screenwriting, a page of script equals about a page, uh, about a minute of screen time. So I've written about 36 minutes worth of the movie and, you know, it's one of those things that as the deeper you get into the story, you know, now, not, not that it becomes harder, but you have to keep in mind a lot of stuff from earlier on to make sure it tracks and things like that. So I have kind of slowed down, but the quality still remains. So, so I'm proud of that. And, you know, I continue to, to chip away at it each and every day. And I will say like having the outline that, uh, that my friend Jason and I put together, really helps because, you know, that, that allows me that it's, it's, it's a map, right? You know, it's like if you're driving across the country, now you have this map and you can kind of see your way towards the destination. Now, you know, what, what's kind of interesting is navigating the little, uh, little details in between, right? I'm discovering new things and that's kind of part of it is like, as, as I'm writing, there's all these things that I, I, I didn't see before that you're discovering about your characters in the moment that are true. You know, it's still you're following the map, so you're not deviating necessarily. But it'd be like, you know, let's say you're, you know you're going to drive through Yosemite. That's one thing, and you know it's going to be beautiful. But once you're actually kind of in Yosemite and taking in the sights, you know, you look left, you look right, maybe you stop off for a moment you go outside, you're like, wow, this, this is really beautiful. So, so in that sense, that's what I equated to. And I'm finding these little moments that are truly beautiful. Uh, of course, everything's going to be ultimately edited. And, you know, even when I reread some of the stuff that I wrote, I'm like, Ooh, okay, let's change this. So, so obviously it's going to continually change and things like that. But nonetheless, at least like you know, when you go through the first draft, it's about just getting ideas out. And, you know, who knows what the percentage of stuff that will actually work and end up in the final product versus stuff that won't. But this, that's, that's the beauty of it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of finding certain nuggets that I think could work, right? And right now it would be unfair for me to really judge that. Instead, I have to kind of continue forward. You know, but, but one of the things I've talked about in the past and still applies is I'll do two passes of each scene that I write. One, just to get the initial idea down, because generally I work in terms of dialogue uh, in my first pass of like, you know, what are they saying? And then on the second pass, it's like, okay, what are they doing? Um, 
you know, because I don't know, for some reason, for I, I, I have a hard time kind of bouncing back between the two. You know, once I start focusing, you know, I just see the scene playing out in my head so quickly that they're like saying X, Y, and Z. And I might see the action, but I'm not actually writing the action, right? And then, then when I do the second pass, I, I view it more from the cinematic language. It's like, okay, what are they doing? What are some moments that I could speed up, pause, and whatever else based on action? So that's how I approach the screenwriting process. And it's been, it's been fun to, to write. So I think a little ambitious on my part, but I would love to have a first draft done by the end of August. I don't think that's feasible, but listen, I don't know. It could very well be. I'm going to write every single day. And as long as I kind of continue forward, then certainly by the end of August, I will we'll be a lot further than I am now. Right. And that's at the end of the day, what I can sort of ask for. I know a lot of times they say, you know, Pat, uh, passion with a uh, deadline is just a dream or uh, passion without, yeah, passion without goals slash deadlines are really just a dream. Uh, and yeah, I think that's true to, but to a certain extent, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I'm one who believes in progress, especially if it's like your side projects. It's not like the end of the world if you don't finish every, everything exactly on time, you know? Uh, there's procrastination certainly, but, um, but I don't think I'm necessarily doing that. Uh, certainly, you know, I was for, for a while, but now, now I'm not, you know, as long as I'm continuing to move forward, then, then that's what matters, you know, for me at least. And part of how I've been kind of, what, what, what also helps, and it goes back to a Stephen King quote, uh, those who those who don't read can't write. And so I make it a point to also, as much as I write every single day, I also make sure to a lot, I would say at least 45 minutes really to read. And so, and, and that's pure fiction, right? Cause I also do read nonfiction as well. Um, but, but, uh, fiction from a fiction standpoint, um, because it, you know, it is storytelling and things like that. So, so it's great to have that sort of muscle and, and it does inform my script writing and other stuff in general. So, you know, if, if you do any sort of writing, keep that in your mind to, to make sure to allot time for reading. The other thing that I was working on, uh, was the trailer for my film. You know, I had a version before this that was kind of near completion and you know, I had kind of cut together about 22 versions, trying out different things. And, you know, I got to this one and it felt complete. And then there was enough time at this point, I think maybe like six weeks since I last saw this version of the trailer. And I just kind of saw it and I said, you know what, this is good. This is good. You know, uh, this, this feels like it gets the job done. And so I'm going to, you know, I, I'm getting a couple of eyes on it. A little bit, um, you know. I made some minor adjustments, but I'm now I'm getting eyes on it and seeing if anyone has any last-minute thoughts. But as long as it's engaging and you know conveys the story that the movie is, then that's really what a trailer is. And as long as people are excited, then great. I've accomplished my job, and I'm going to move forward. So we'll see what the feedback is like. I'm going to do you know part of it now. It's it's just kind of like a a skeleton in the sense that it doesn't have all the sound design. So I'm really looking forward to the sound design. Uh, there's not any graphics that need to be done with it. 
Um, those are already, you know, just kind of has like a title card and, and then slate. Uh, nothing like fancy in the middle of like, you know, coming out, blah, 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 or, you know, when two people meet or this and that. It, it, the, the visuals and the, the dialogue really propel the trailer's narrative, if you will. So it's just really the sound design. And I'm excited because, you know, I'm, I'm going to work with Edgar, who did the sound design for the movie. And so I'm excited to see what he'll add to the trailer in terms of the sound design. And I think that will elevate it to the level that I might feel might be missing right now. Um, I, I mean, I certainly know he'll make it better, right? So I'm looking forward to that. Um, the other big thing of last week was updating my query letter. We're getting close to um, to hashtag pitmad, which is which is an it's a quarterly uh, Twitter pitch process for any writers. And basically, with the hashtag, you you become involved in that, and you know agents, literary agents, they see it and they can kind of then solicit you for your work. So it's a cool thing, you know. I did an episode on it. Uh, you can check that out, or you can just look up hashtag pitmad and see all the the details if you have something to pitch. Um, I think it's a great way. But nonetheless, even without that approaching, I. You know, I, I knew that now with my novel having gone another completed phase, like now it's really as strong as it can be. And, you know, granted, any lit- <laughs> Yes, that's my dog, Chloe, agreeing with me. Any literary agent is, you know, ultimately going to make changes to it, right? There's going to be revisions. And if not the, the literary agent, then the publisher. But it's in a place enough where it's like this, this, is, this is good, Right. You know, if I was to, like, self-publish it tomorrow, then, yes, I'd, I'd do an, an, a final, final pass at it. But as far as, like, knowing that, yes, there's going to be certain changes nonetheless, this is a very tight version, very well representative. Every every thread is tied and so forth. So it's like, you know, I have that. Now let me update uh, the query letter because you know, I, I'd sent out, you know, feelers, if you will, for lack of a better term, already to, let's say, like, 20 literary agents, uh, got some feedback, uh, you know, some I'm waiting on in terms of responses, the rest were rejections, but that's okay. Uh, so now in that sense, let me, you know, let me update the query letter and see if I, I can strengthen it, you know, because when I wrote the query letter, it was the best that I could write at that time. Now it has been like two months since I first wrote it, maybe more. And it's like, I've, become a better writer. So let me utilize my skill set, my knowledge towards updating it and making it as best as it can be based on where I am today. And then who knows, as I continue, maybe in the next week, maybe two weeks, whatever, I'll continually update it because I'm getting better. And based on that, I can make it stronger, right? So so there you go. Now, am I going to beat myself up over sending, you know, what from today's point of view is, you know, not as a strong uh, query letter as I could have? No, because again, it's the best that I could. It goes back to one of the four agreements that Don Miguel Ruiz talks about, which is always do your best. And when you do your best, you can't be upset. And so at that point, that was my best. And now this is going to be my best, right? So you, you get where I'm going with that. So So I've got that. So those are kind of you know, not 
in the grand scheme of things, not, not a whole, whole lot in terms of the result. It's, you know, just incremental steps moving forward. But those are the things I'm working on. I made a very dedicated point to just focus on those uh, so I can, I can make significant process versus, you know, dissipating my time into other facets as well. Uh, so, you know, that, that's from the creative side. Now, for the life side, I've made a couple of decisions. One, and I've already was doing this for a little bit, but I, I, I made a big intention that I'm going to bike. Anyway, anything that, that I need to do, like an errand that's within five miles, I'm going to bike. Right, so if I need to go grocery shopping, I'm gonna go bike. Uh, I need to go get a button sewed on because it fell off uh, my shorts uh, on one, one pair, and I'm gonna go and drop that off on my bike. Right, so if there's if, if if I'm not pressed for time to meet something or whatever, I'm gonna utilize my bike because it's healthy and it's fun. And I think that's something that we don't talk about enough in general. I am a big advocate of masks uh, and kind of doing your part in this pandemic. You know, uh, I, I think, yes, do things that you want to do within reason. But that's the that's the key within reason. Right. So it's not like I'm just advocating, like, staying home for the rest of our lives and don't see anybody and fear the fear covid for the rest of eternity. That's not what I'm saying. But we do need to be careful and we need to be reasonable. So I am a big advocate of that. You know, with, with freedom comes responsibility. That's kind of my new saying. But as part of that, one of the things that I realize we don't talk enough about is this idea of, of, of treating the problem versus just the symptom. So COVID's the symptom and kind of the mask is treating the symptom. Whereas when I look at, from my perspective, American society and so forth, we are highly susceptible to this disease given our lifestyle. We, we are a nation that overall is overweight. We, we, you know, we, we don't take care of our bodies. We eat highly processed foods. Even those of us who on the surface seem quote unquote skinny, we're not, we're not getting the, all the right nutrients and so forth. So you know, I, I think this is something that we need to talk about more as well. And so by me just making the, the decision to bike, uh, air, to, you know, do my errands. And by the way, I say five miles. What I, you know, that, that's like to the place. So that way it ends up being a 10-mile thing. And, you know, if it's over five miles, then I'll still do it type of thing. As long as it's not like, you know, I'm not biking like 20 miles somewhere. But in so doing... Uh, it's it's fun and it keeps me active, right? And so I think we need to, we, we do need to really consider our lives and think of, okay, how can I maintain my health with all the things that I'm doing? You know, and, and, and I think too often as creatives, we push that side, our health and our well-being aside. It's like, you know, I'm all about the creative and I got to keep pumping out. And it's like, okay, you might be doing great work, but, you know, Imagine how much great work you could get done if you were healthy. And I mean that from the perspective of perhaps, you know, dr- drinking too much alcohol, taking too many drugs, whatever else, right? We, we tend to just kind of look to other creatives of the past and say, well, you know, let's say like Bukowski. Bukowski drank himself pretty much to death, although he didn't. 
he smoked and whatever else, and and yet he was able to do amazing things. And it's like, okay, he was, but does that make it right? And could he have done even more without it? Who knows, right? Who knows? That's not necessarily for us to judge, but nonetheless, does that does that lead to a happy life? You know, could you, as Charles Bukowski, was he truly happy in life? And I don't know if the answer is yes. Maybe it is, but but uh, that's that's something that you got to ask yourself, and you know, it's something that, if in anything, I'm asking myself. Hence, why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And I think a big part of it is this idea of intention setting. You know, doing things with a little bit more forethought rather than just reacting to certain things. You know, one of the things for me that has helped this is the power of quiet. You know, when I wake up, I walk my dogs, but I don't, I don't listen to anything. I just, if anything, I just listen to nature around me. I try to have quiet moments throughout my day. So that way I can kind of let my thoughts process and let things come to me. If I'm constantly just blaring music or have the TV on, then nothing ever comes to me. It's just, I'm more reacting to kind of the world. And I don't want to necessarily, I want to respond to the world, but I don't necessarily want to react. And so by allotting myself moments of tranquility and silence, it's been really empowering. You know, so that, that was a big intention. Another kind of, Small intention was, you know, the idea of eating healthy, yes, but now I'm going to really start to meal prep, right? So that way, on any given day, let's say it's like Wednesday, rather than, you know, if my day is kind of going whatever, rather than reaching for something that's unhealthy because I'm too tired to make something, well, I've meal prepped it. And, you know, plenty of people talk about the benefits of meal prep, but you know, now I'm going to really commit to that. And, you know, that way my, that way I can buy fresh stuff and make it, have it for the week. And then, you know, just have fresh meals in the sense that, you know, I'm constantly buying like fresh produce and so forth. So again, another intention that I've decided to set. Um, and I think that's, that's really important in, in a lot of ways, you know, just, just making, you know, what, what matters to you most, right? Um, and I think I think we take that for granted. And I hope 2020 has been a realization of, of that for us. Like what what truly matters, <coughs> excuse me, to the world, but also to ourselves. Uh, I think that's really important. You know, one of the things that I realized a while ago is in a, in a lot of ways that. Um, I, I want to do, I, I, I like working and I like working for other people and making good products. And at the same time, I like being creative, but it is not my end all be all. I do value my freedom. And in fact, you know, my, with the job that I currently have, I feel I contribute uh, in the sense to the job, but also to society based on the, you know, I think the podcasts that I work on themselves add value to people's lives. So I'm very proud of the shows that I do work on. And so I bring my best because I want to make sure that I'm adding that value to people's lives through the work that I am doing. But it also allows me the freedom to do the things that I want to do creatively. And also, I mean, pre-COVID, hang out with friends and whatever else. 
You know, and I say that because over the weekend I had someone call me about something that, you know, like basically a business venture they want to start and it could be lucrative. But having been, you know, before this, based on the things that I've been doing, uh, you know, years ago, I've seen, I've seen what it is like to work many hours and things like that. Not that that can't be rewarding if that's what you want and, and it could be lucrative as well. But I realized like, no, I don't, I don't want to just work like 90 hours, 100 hours a week uh, in hopes of something, um, which in this sense was kind of a financial thing. You know, I like, if anything, the like, it goes back to a parable of a truncated version of it is essentially we, we, we chase so much money only to do the thing that we could have been doing right from the get-go. And so what I realized a long time ago is like the thing that the things that I want to be doing, whether it's writing books, uh, even the movies that I make and whatever else that I would want to do in the future creatively, they really don't take as much money as people think. Or certainly I didn't. I, I certainly that I thought. Right. I mean, I made my movie for five thousand dollars. And is it the world's greatest movie? No, not necessarily, but it's the movie that I wanted to tell. Right. And so it's like if I can create the art that I want to create then why not, right? Why Why would I be spending 100 hours a week doing something to try to get all this money so then I could do maybe like, you know, once once every six months, uh, you know, the thing that I really want to be doing, right? So I, I let this person know, like, no, that's not what I'm motivated by. Um, and it wasn't a knock on him. It's just, you know, I told, I wanted to be honest with him. So, so I kind of said that and well, and I, th- I think by presenting it that way, he's also, I-, I think it'll make his business stronger because, you know, he'll now kind of give more intention to his thing, you know, because his initial reaction was, okay, I'm excited by this. I see an opportunity. There's money to be made. And that's great. And it's like a lot of things, like it, it, it's a weird thing, especially like if I'm calling myself a 360 creative coach, a coach in a large sense is supposed to be kind of like a cheerleader in a lot of ways and, you know, like inspire you and make you enthusiastic and go after your dreams. But, you know, there's the side of me always, because I, I, I've seen a lot of people be very rah, rah, rah about an idea. And then it's like, well, three seconds later, are you going to maintain that? You know, because any passion that you have, it's going to take, you know, talent to me is a process, not a skill set. I've kind of talked about this in the past. And so in that regard, it's like, are you, are you going to continue it? You know, I, it's a great idea and things like that. But again, it's that reaction to, you're like reacting to something. And when you just kind of react, the, the thing fades, right? You're, you're just trying to hit some dopamines or whatever you want to call it in your brain. But, but the real test of it, will you continue it? And so, so in that sense, I tried to be very strategic and, and inspiring but at the same time, you know, like of like, okay, here's here's how you think and things like that. And so, you know, hopefully, hopefully I did motivate him, but at the same time offer him guidance of how to move about forward with this in a in a practical and an honest way. So we'll see. And then the other, okay, so you know, I said the second part of this, and we're in the second part, if you haven't realized it by now is talking about life and, you know, there's a number of things I could pick, you know, it's like throw, 
you, you could throw a stone and it's like you could hit some sort of news. Um, but what I want to focus on is the most recent death to a black person, this one being in Wisconsin, who was shot seven times in the back in front of his kids. And, you know, it's like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's sad, because of course it is sad. Now it's like, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, the things that I'm doing myself is continuing to educate myself uh, in terms of the black experience, in terms of what I can do, you know, making the phone calls, things like that. I'm learning about my local laws about police uh, protocol in, in LA, in LA County, things of that nature in California. So within my, like what, it, right? Because a lot of this stuff, it can overwhelm you. And so then the natural inclination, well, you know, like, oh my God, this should never be allowed to happen. Well, it never should be allowed to happen. Yet it keeps somehow happening, right? And so it's like, instead of putting this sad face of, because in, like when you go overtly sad, then it, it diminishes your response. It's like, you know, because you're sad, then, then, then it's like, oh, no, that person can't be bothered to do anything because they're too sad. You can be sad and still do something, okay? I'm sad, like, don't, just, just because I'm not here crying doesn't mean I'm not sad about the fact of what happened. But I realize my tears will add nothing to this. My actions must. So that's what I do. And, and if, listen, if nothing else, educate yourself on, the the laws in your area and go vote, right? There's going to be things to vote on beyond just the presidency. And of course, vote on the presidency. But there are things far beyond that, both local and within your state, that must be voted on, that will be on the ballot, that, that you need to educate yourself on and vote, okay? Don't deny yourself that power. You have the ability to make change. To throw that out, well, then you can't complain, okay? So, so... If nothing else, that's my message to you with that. The other really sad part is the fires in California. There are over, I mean, there's close to 650 fires at the moment. And that is truly devastating. And, you know, I look at that and I've spoken about, it, about this and it's one of the things that I think we all must need to start to realize this isn't happenstance and this isn't a California thing. There are wild wildfires throughout the world. We've seen it in Australia. We've seen it in the Amazon. It will continue and it will be bigger and worse. Now, if it's not fires, it's going to be hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, whatever else, right? I don't see it as a coincidence that, that things are escalating. I don't. And it's one of those things that our earth is a finite resource. Our growth of what we want of the world is infinite. The two are in conflict. One will win, one will not. And it's fallacy to say that we're going to kill the earth. We're not going to kill the earth. We're going to kill ourselves. We're creating our own cancer. That's what's going to happen. We're going to kill ourselves. And it's not a problem to be deferred. 
you know, we don't like the, we, we, see, here's the thing. It's a finite problem because it's the, 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 the world is finite. But in terms of how we want to live is, is an infinite thing. And so if we want to live infinitely, we, we have to think beyond the moment. It's a, it's a weird juxtaposition in that sense. And it almost like, sounds like an oxymoron. But in order to see longevity within the human race, we have to see the world as finite and act accordingly. Because, I mean, these fires in California are going to have an effect on our death or our, our health and probably will lead to our death eventually. Certainly, you know, other things <laughs> well in terms of the world in this vein. And so, you know, and I, and I look at it and it's like, what, what are the choices you are individually making? You know, I, I look at even just like fashion. We always look at like, oh, I need, I need new clothes. I need new this. I got to have a fashion trend. And it's like, do we really? Or like the latest gizmos and gadgets. Do we really always need the latest gizmos and gadgets? Maybe what you already have is enough. The dreaded E-word, it's what capitalism fears. Enough. But stop and think. Maybe you already do have enough. Do you really need X, Y, and Z? I mean, do you? Apart from the fact that like it's, it'd be nice to have it or society tells you you must have it. Again, are you being reactionary or are you setting an intention? So think about that. And that's where I want to leave you. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. I truly appreciate you. I hope this resonates. Uh, it might sound dour, but I hope it is inspiring in some because once, once you do take control and really set intention, it can help both in terms of life, for you, the greater world, certainly your art. So that is what I have for you. If you have any questions, by all means, ask away or you want to offer up your two cents comment down below or hit me up on social media at Bill Spica. Furthermore, if, if you appreciate what I'm doing, then I kindly ask you to subscribe if you're not already. I will get all the various lessons and things that I do right when I put them out. And also, if you would be so kind, share this with somebody in your life who you think might benefit from, from the things I talk about. I certainly would appreciate it and I hope they do too. Anyway, that's it. Thank you and I hope to see you next time.